How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you today's episode is our good friends at SeatGeek. Use our promo code. This is a new one. This is a new promo code, everybody. L-O-N-B-A. That is L-O-N-B-A for Locked on NBA. That is our new promo code. So, again, be sure to use it if you haven't used SeatGeek before if this is going to be your first SeatGeek purchase use LONBA and get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase so you can use that today and Frank how are you doing uh I'm I'm okay Eric uh I think I'm coming out with a cold which is always annoying when it's the middle of summer and I live in Texas so it's like 100 degree temperatures outside so getting a cold is just very frustrating because it seems totally illogical um so that's annoying uh, but don't feel bad for me because who cares? It's just a cold. Uh, and I was going to ask you, um, how was your fourth? Because I had a really weird long fourth, which I can go into in a moment. Well, how was your fourth? Did you have a good fourth? Uh, so I worked to start the fourth. Um, so I was down at Summerfest for ESPN Milwaukee, which actually ended up being kind of nice because a bunch of the acts were doing sound check for the night. Um, and as some of you may know, like I, I very much enjoy rap music and last night happened to be the night where they had like a local rap, like night on one of the stages. So they just had like Milwaukee acts from like five o'clock on, um, which is really cool cause they've never done something like that before. And then the headliner was Ishtar, um, who's a 20 year old rapper here in Milwaukee. And I got to like hang out and work and work was pretty easy while he sound checked for an hour. Um, so essentially I got to hear his concert, which is pretty cool. Um, so that was good. And then, um, around from where I'm from, there's a lake and a volleyball tournament and, uh, grilling out, barbecuing, et cetera, uh, every 4th of July. So after work, I got to swing by and actually do that. I threw on my Jerry Stackhouse, uh, Jersey, it's a it's a Sixers champion jersey. I tweeted out a picture of it, um, but it was very enjoyable. Um, How did you acquire a Jerry Stackhouse jersey from when he was on the Sixers? Oh man, I think in college we decided that we wanted to get old school NBA jerseys, so we went on eBay and found like vintage, like legit champion ones. Um, and I ended up getting a Stackhouse one. I don't know how I can't. I still can't remember how I did. You might have been on the Bucks at the time, um, and that was why I got that. Um, so that's go- that. That is now like my go-to like Fourth of July jersey to wear because it, one, it's red, hot white, out, um, and two, it's red, white, and blue. So it, it works perfectly. Um, so that's been my go-to Fourth of July jersey. So I, I had that on. I had a few Moonmans, um, and I was very happy. So I had a very different musical experience on the 4th of July. Um, As many of you know, I live in Austin, Texas. Uh, And 
my wife and and her friends they they some somebody not my wife but some, one of her friends sort of broached this idea of there was this I guess it's been going on for over 40 years the Willie Nelson July 4th family picnic which is basically just a big music festival and I am not like a country music fan but you know whatever like you know people are going to this fine you know yeah, let's do it it's a thing to do uh, eat some food whatever and uh so I, I'm told like like oh we got to go at at uh, leave at 11:30 and get there at noon because that's when the music starts. I'm like man, Whoa. that's 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 early, right? I mean it's gonna gonna be like 100 plus degrees. Um, I am I am a fair skinned person. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily do that great in the summer. Um, and then we get there and I had tried to figure out how long stuff went because there were a bunch of bands. And then I get there and I get they give you the card where it says like the program of when stuff happens. Willie Nelson was going on at eleven thirty at night. And I was oh. like, Oh my god. We got there at like one thirty, so I dragged my feet a little bit, so we got there a little later. But I'm just sitting there thinking, like, oh my god, I'm just going to be baking in the sun for, you know, seven hours and then finally the sun will go down and then I have another four or five hours here. Um so that was that was that was a long day, but um I, I drank a lot of fluids. I uh, I brought two phones. I had my work iPhone and my regular iPhone, and I I kept one off, and I just basically just crushed Twitter all goddamn day. <laughs> so if you notice me being very active during the day yesterday, I did I did. Uh, there was a uh, a fake Woj tweet that I retweeted with a comment about it was like a fake one about the Magic signing some power forward. I forget who it was. Um, so I got caught, but I, I I can't take response. I mean, I was at a Willie Nelson concert. There's a lot of stuff in the air. Uh, at that point, I'd been I'd been baking in the sun for like eight hours. So I apologize. I I, I was made aware of, of the mistake very quickly, and I I, uh, I apologize. But um, but anyway, so that was a long day. So I got home at like 12:30 last night, and then had to get up for work this morning, which wasn't ideal. But um, but yeah, you know, it was at the Circuit of Americas, which is the Formula One track here in Austin. So, Whoa. I was kind of thinking like that was kind of cool. They had air conditioned bathrooms. That was basically the the best place in the entire place because that was the only air conditioning anywhere. But anyway, NBA free agency looms on. I feel like we had those are two like very different days. Up. That like those that... are two very different days. Um, and by the way, you should you should appreciate even more the fact that you get your your quote unquote job involves you know talking about sports and doing sports stuff and you know sports sports sports. I'm thinking of that that gif you have of. Uh, of uh, Kyle Mooney, uh, Kyle Mooney with the from yeah. SNL the sports thing, but no, it's anyway, not a bad um, life. I, I don't, I don't have many complaints. Frank. No, no, no complaints. Um, but no shortage of things happening over the past couple of days. We um, we got our our uh, anti Derek Rose podcast out of the way the other day. We did. Um, no real, no real activity on at least the Bucks front since then. Lots of. Uh, I, lots of angst, <laughs> lots of yes. lots of fan angst about not just Derrick Rose, but the possibility of you know using assets to get rid of contracts in order to sign Derrick Rose. Um, in the meantime, Derrick Rose uh, was, I think, today uh, was meeting with the LA Clippers, but the Clippers also are now rumored to be signing um, Milos Teodosic. Uh, I think he was last on, I think, Suska Moscow. The I think the he's he's a basically a combo guard uh, who. People may remember. I think he's Serbian as well. I think he played well against the U.S. And he the, threw, he throws like crazy passes. Crazy, and crazy he's passes. all over the place. He doesn't play any defense, none. No. Um, um, but he's fun offensively. Yeah, yeah. So maybe so. I mean, if the Clippers get him, they already have Pat Beverly, who's better than Derrick Rose as well. Um, I 
guess that probably would mean no Derrick Rose in L.A. But, um, you know, the luxury tax may be our best friend in the sense that it may make it very hard for the Bucks to uh, to sign anyone, really. Um, I, as I say, I think I, like, I'm still in the same spot where I was on Saturday when – like Ben McLemore was the the talk of of the Bucks, where it's just like, I, I think I want to make sure we add the words to like any sense. Like if you hear a rumor about the Bucks, I, I feel like it should be pre- preceded by if they can get get rid of one of their contracts, whatever contract you may want that to be. I feel like you just can't say anything about the Bucks being aggressive, the Bucks pursuing, the Bucks. The Bucks doing anything until they leave, they get rid of one of those contracts. And maybe there's a sign and trade out there. Maybe there's moves that come in a very quick, quick uh, succession where okay, they make a trade, they make a trade, and then immediately sign, or they're getting ready to sign them, and then they find their trade to dump somebody off. But I just, I remain um, totally convinced that the Bucks will not make a move unless they can make a trade and and i know every time i say that i get like eight people that tweet at me and say like well they have until mid-season to get out from underneath the tax and it's like yeah they do but if you can't move those contracts during the off season when teams don't have full rosters how are your chances of moving one of those one of those guys going to get better once the season starts like I, I, there's just a logical disconnection there for me yeah, and and you know we've mentioned to people probably have recall, you know recall us mentioning that they they do have this I don't want to say a trump card but sort of the the, the get out of jail for six million dollars card which is to to stretch Spencer Hawes's uh, expiring salary over three years rather than pay him for this one year um, again that would take his six million and, and reduce it to just two this year and then two the next two years so you know you got to pay it at some point but you do get a four million dollar lifeline this year. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things like as long as the bucks are where they are, I mean, they are projected right now to be a little over the cap or sorry, a little over the luxury tax. You know, if you figure Sterling Brown, I think Malcolm Brogdon got about 950 last year. If you pencil Sterling Brown in for something similar um, this year and you keep Gary Payton's uh, minimum deal on the books, um, you know, that takes you to 15 guys with the current roster and it puts you at, um, Let's see, like one hundred twenty million seven hundred fifty nine thousand is is the number I've got in my little cap sheet. So you know you're basically one point five, I guess, over the the luxury tax line um, of of one hundred nineteen point two six six. So um, so again, like you don't really have to do anything at that number. You could just waive Spencer Hawes, and you know again, then then you're under the luxury tax, and you can kind of just go about your business, and you don't have to go. You know, attach a, a first round pick to you know somebody's somebody's contract to, to try to make room, right? Which, you know, again is why we're all so like militantly opposed to to trying to like make a bunch of room for Derrick Rose, right? I mean, I, again, uh, Derrick Rose at at the the taxpayer mid level, which right now where the Bucks stand salary wise is all they would have, right? If they if they if they did free up more salary, they would have the full mid level exception of eight point four million. But given that they're so close to um, the tax apron, which is a little over one hundred twenty five million, you can't go over that if by using a full mid level. So basically, you're you're kind of stuck at that that more modest mid level number. But you know, if you were able to um, if you were able to get rid of that um, able to get rid of that uh, that that Spencer Hawes deal um, you know again even kind of keeping that placeholder for um, 
before Sterling Brown, you'd be at, I'd say like, I'm just doing some quick math here, like 116.7 million. Um, and then again, that would give you 14 guys. You could dump Gary Payton and that would take you to an even lower number. Um, let's see, that would take you to 115.4, something like that. Yeah. But then you only have 13 guys, right? And you, that would leave you about three point, well, right about 4 million, a little under 4 million to go and, and fill out one or two remaining roster spots. And again, Gary Payton's, you know, he's on a second year minimum, so you're not really saving that much money unless you go find a, a rookie deal, which would be about 850, I think, minimum, save you 450, 500 grand. Um, but, you know, you could go and you could sign, you know, Jason Terry, for instance, you could sign one other guy in the minimum and, and be under the luxury tax and you wouldn't have to go do anything else. Um, it's really only if you want to get ambitious and add more salary and, and obviously, you know, trying to get Derrick Rose for something beyond the minimum would would involve doing that. Um, and uh, it, it's it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of people have have um, asked me on Twitter about, you know, um, today someone was asking me about Kelly Olynyk. Could, could the Bucks sign and trade for Kelly Olynyk with the Celtics? Well, first off, the Celtics um, are trying to shed salary. So, like, literally, they, you know, they could theoretically still sign and trade Kelly Olynyk to a team that sends them, like, a pick back, but no money. But Do you see some point, of the numbers on Kelly Olynyk? Well, let, let me just finish this thought real quick, though. Because I don't believe the, the – the, I, I thought the, the, the Celtics had renounced his, his rights. They've withdrawn his qualifying yeah. offer. I think they still have his, his rights. So – in theory, they could do a sign and trade, but basically, it wouldn't make any sense because if a team, if a team had enough cap space to acquire him in a trade without sending anything but a pick back, they could just sign him outright, right? So why would you, you know, give but up? Then the how do the Celtics so? get more assets? Right, exactly. Yes, which is all the, what the world world revolves <laughs> around if you're Danny Ainge. But um, but essentially, like I, I don't, I, I've been trying to think about. It. I don't really foresee a, a situation where Kelly Olynyk is traded for anything any salary going back because as you said at, right now the assumption is already that that he's off the books his capital is gone his you know bird rights are gone and you know they're they're talking about trading you know jay crowder or marcus smart or possibly avery bradley seems like the talk has been around uh, jay crowder or uh, marcus smart predominantly and so forget kelly olenek you know and I, again i don't want kelly olenek on the bucks anyway at this point like I've got enough big guys and blah, blah, blah. Um, shout out to Jeremy Schmidt, longtime Kelly Olenek fan. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, one question that was asked of me, a um, uh, friend of the pod, Dan Novak, asked, uh, you know, the Bucks have this $5 million trade exception from the Roy Hibbert salary dump to Denver midseason. In theory, um, they could use that if they're, you know, if they have, if, if, again, if, and, and I'd have to check, I don't, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to f- I don't re- see the thing is I haven't really had to deal much with stuff when teams are like above the tax apron. I think at this point I think they could still use that five million dollar trade exception without any negative consequences. But um, but basically Marcus Smart makes just under five million. So in theory, you know, maybe a little cap finagling, you could trade like a protected first round pick and, you know, send that to. Uh, send that to to Boston. It might have to be technically two separate transactions. But bottom line, you could figure out a way probably to to take Marcus Smart's salary, send you know something their way like a pick, and and get Marcus Smart. And again, Marcus Smart is a very polarizing player. I'll say this: he's way better than Derrick Rose. He's young. He has problems shooting the ball, and that is a big problem for a team like the Bucks. But he's actually a good player, and yeah. you know, I think pretty much any metric will tell you that. 
that, you know, he, he does add a lot of value even in spite of his obvious flaws. Um, but you know, just for kind of argument's sake, you know, could you do that? Yeah, you could probably do something, but then, then you're like really right up against the, the, um, the, the tax apron and, you know, then, then it, it's, it's harder to, to go and, and shed salary. Then, you know, you have a, a harder time, uh, getting under the luxury tax, you know, and again, maybe you could trade, you know, Rashad Vaughn for, for nothing to a random team that would take him as just like a young flyer type guy, like with the Brooklyn Nets take Rashad Vaughn for nothing. I don't know. Right. But that, that would certainly help given, um, given Vaughn's, uh, you know, he's at a little under 2 million. So I mean, that's some money, but anyway, so it, the problem is like a lot of people just kind of have been asking, okay, how could we get Jay Crowder? How could we do it? Marcus Marcus Martin? How could we do this? How could we do that? Bottom line is like the guys that are available tend to be available because the teams trading them want to move salary. And the problem is the Bucks are a team that also needs to move salary, not take in more salary. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is the problem with the lack of flexibility is you really can't be predatory against these teams that are trying to, to make deals and, and open up room. So, um, long story short, I've basically have felt like a, a total Debbie downer, uh, with everybody who's been asking very reasonable questions about, well, can, what about this guy? Can we get that guy? And generally my answer is just always like, the Bucks do not have the flexibility to really take in more salary without sending more out. So I, I always anyway. like I never know how to respond to it because I just want to be like, well, you're not going to like the answer. Like, uh, no, and no, like you, any any dream that involves actually adding talent this summer, like it's it's pretty far fetched uh, for the Bucks. Like you you have to either give up something significant that you may not want to, or you're going to, I don't know, have to find a, a sucker out there because the Bucks just are so capped out that everything is just really difficult for them this year. Um, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, also interesting is our new, our new promo code, Frank, this is wild. I, I've, I'm so ingrained, like I'm uncomfortable doing this read because I'm so used to our normal promo code and I just get in a nice little rhythm and I know exactly what we're doing, but this is an exciting time. New promo code. It's L O N B A locked on NBA. Uh, for, so brand new promo code, everything is great. Um, and, but it's the exact same stuff you're getting. You're getting the amazing product that SeatGeek is. You're going to be able to go on the app. You're going to be able to check out exactly where seats are. I didn't even check it. I wonder if they have summer league tickets. Uh, do you get, do you get tickets to summer league games? Do you just walk in, Frank? I don't. I have no idea how summer league works. I think you, you're going. You, you, uh, I, you know, I am not going. I decided against it. I've never actually bought tickets because I've always had a, a media credential. No. but you, you can't. I think they're generally two tiers of tickets. Um, there are basically you can get courtside tickets, which are more expensive, or you can get sort of like general admission, and then you just sort of sit, you know, wherever you want in the in the two arenas. Um, but yeah, it does it does cost money. Uh, but you basically you get these these sort of day day passes um, to go watch. Oh, look you know, at that! I'm looking at them right now. So, SeatGeek does yeah. sell them. So if you are making the trip out to Vegas, I know I joked about the summer league team last week when I tweeted out the roster, and people are like. Oh yeah, I'm going. I'll be there. And then I made another joke about like who's who's degenerate enough to bet on summer league games. And a bunch of people are like, well, you know, if you're hanging out with the Thomas and Mac, and you've been hanging out poolside before that, well, you know, maybe you'll put a few bets down. So uh, if you want to go, actually check out the action. 
SeatGeek has tickets. Of course they have tickets because they have tickets to everything because SeatGeek just has tickets for every event, whether that's a basketball game, whether that's, I don't even know, a summer league basketball. So if that's a summer league game, if that's a concert, whatever it may be, SeatGeek has you hooked up. And again, you can use that wonderful promo code. It's L-O-M-B-A for Locked On NBA. Again, L-O-M-B-A gets you a $20 rebate. And the way you do that is download the SeatGeek app. Then you're going to go to the settings tab, go to enter promo code, enter promo code L-O-M-B-A, and that gets you a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. So exciting times. We have a new promo code, um, and we would love for you guys to use it. Moving forward, Frank, um, some other stuff. Before we get into Bucks-centric things um there was some happenings around the league today um right before we started to record uh it broke that andre robertson was going to sign a three-year 30 million dollar deal with the oklahoma city thunder that was the second contract given out to a shooting guard wing type player um the first one that we saw today was for Deion waiters and the miami heat gave him four years and 52 million dollars and I guess why I bring them up and why I kind of want to think about them is obviously because the first contract signed, uh, I shouldn't say signed, but the, the first contract that broke uh, on uh, on July 1st was Tony Snell, four years, $44 million with uh, the fourth year as a player option. And obviously that that's the one that affects Bucks fans. But I'm just curious, when you when you heard those two other deals, how did you – I, I guess maybe reorient, reorientate yourself in regards to the Tony Snell deal and how maybe that fits in with the rest of this off season and that shooting guard wing type position. Yeah. And first off, it, it it's so weird that Andre Robertson is, is basically plays shooting guard in, in OKC. Um, and it's probably largely a quirk of just how weird that roster is. Yeah. Um, you know, and and obviously with with Oladipo having been there, uh, that the, I don't know of how often he you know was playing technically a different position, but but he's you know, he's a fascinating player because he really is one of the weirder, most more extreme guys in in the league. I mean, you know, and we were talking about this before the pod, and you know, you could sort of argue that in terms of like defensive impact and um, his offensive game outside of let's say 18 feet he's remarkably simple similar to Giannis Adetokounmpo <laughs> the, yeah. pro- the problem is Giannis has incredible ball skills and obviously his passing and ability to you know get to the hoop and you know create offense in so many different ways inside of the three-point arc is you know among the best in in basketball and Andrew Robertson does not have any of those skills um he Similarly, as a guy who is not good at shooting three pointers at all, but is always left open, and um, you know he ends up shooting a fair number of those just because teams just beg him to shoot it. But uh, but he is interesting because he's so good defensively. You, you, we've seen him, you know, defend James Harden at a, at a high level. We've seen him guard bigger players at, at a high level. Um, you know, he really is a really unique. I mean, he's an all defensive player for a reason. Um, but you know, in terms of like fitting him into a team offensively. Obviously, he creates a lot of problems because you just want to have guys who, uh, you know, can at least stretch the floor a little bit or at least contribute uh, meaningfully in, in other ways. And 
Um, you know, he's had random games where he goes off in the playoffs and hits some threes, but uh, but he's clearly the the weak link of that team offensively. And you know, it, it's just sort of one of those things. Like you watch that team, we'll see how much it changes moving forward. I mean, him plus Paul George on the wing is obviously an incredible combination defensively, and George obviously brings a lot more offensively than what they've had there. But um, but yeah, it's it's kind of weird because I think like in a vacuum, you might say, well, Andrew Robertson is a more would be a more coveted player than like Tony Snell. But by the same token, it's like, I mean, for the Bucks, I mean, uh, can, could you, I'm, I mean, Andre Robertson and Giannis on the court at the same time, I mean, the defense would be incredible, but like offensively, like that would just be a, a disaster, right? I mean, yeah. it would be really difficult to, to kind of make that work. And so it's sort of like, well, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of okay for the Bucks and in, in just kind of having Tony Snow, you know, because he shoots threes and. You know, he's not an Audrey Robertson level defender, but you know, he can defend multiple positions, can defend, you know, smaller guys and, and slightly bigger guys. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of a weird combination. It's kind of a weird comp to make. And I was going to, and then go ahead. I was going to say before, like you said, we were talking about this before we started recording because it happened pretty much right before we started recording. And you said, well, you know, like if you had a fan, like a fantasy draft, like you redrafted the entire league, you'd be like, oh, Robertson's guy maybe you want to target because he has these elite skills and um, you're, you're not going to find those with other guys and maybe you can get him for a little bit of a deal because since he doesn't have those other skills you can do that and I said I, I absolutely agree but if Giannis Adetokounmpo is your first pick well you, you just can't draft him because I, I just don't know how that team works um, and then uh, I'm trying to think what his age is. Is he he's 30 ish? I'm trying to think. I, I'm not 100 percent on Robertson's age, but he's got to be. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that old. He's 20. Oh, he's only 25. Yeah, he. This is. Oh, I yeah. think he's coming off his his rookie deal. Okay, so 25. Uh, same. That's the same age as Tony Snell, right? Or will Snell be yeah. 26 next year? They'll both be 26 next year. Okay, very similar age. Basically a month apart. So similar age. Um, I, I don't know. I. I I just would be very concerned with. Uh, I, I guess every time I watch the Thunder, I always feel like the short the the floor offensively just shrinks while he's out there, and and maybe that speaks more to uh, the the offense that was ran in Oklahoma City. But if you would add him to the Milwaukee Bucks, I, I don't know how much happier you'd be with the offense that is ran here, or how much better that may actually help him out. And I, again, I've had a bunch of people before the offseason kind of got going on the first mention okay would you rather have Robertson or Snell and if Robertson's going to be half make half as much as Tony Snell and that didn't happen obviously that those deals are pretty similar um but looking at it I just kept thinking like I I don't want another guy that can't shoot on the floor with Giannis I, I think you you just have to find a way to get shooting out there and Snell makes sense so I'm interested by it, and then that one, uh, that one I think is like relatively good value. And also, as we mentioned, I think anytime you can do a shorter deal, that's probably a good thing as well. That that's a three-year deal, um, while the Bucks instead have the the four-year deal for Snell. Not that locking up Tony Snell is the worst thing, but the fact that as a player option for that fourth year isn't um, maybe ideal. Um, but the Deion Waiters deal, I. <laughs> I understand um, that he really had kind of a breakout year for them. He kind of figured out how to actually 
work out. And I, I know he's talked about how his body just totally transformed in Miami. And like you can you can look at the before and after pictures, and you can see that that is actually true. Um, but man. It's just tough. I was try- I'm trying to figure. He's some sort of paradox because you he's at his best when he's a shot creator and just going out there and being a bucket getter. Like that is that is when Dion Waiters is going to be at his peak. But you probably don't have a very good basketball team if that is what you're asking Dion Waiters to do. Maybe. Maybe it works out because you're so good defensively and there's maybe one or two other very talented offensive guys. But, man, if you're really leaning on Deion Waiters, I just feel like you've kind of capped what your offense and what your team can actually be. And, again, you look at how the Heat maybe missed on some of those other guys that they had wanted. Obviously, Gordon Hayward comes to mind. They miss on some of those, and then all of a sudden you have Deion Waiters as one of your your lead offensive guys. And to me, that's terrifying. Um, and to give him that four-year deal and to give him that money, like, man, that that's just super scary to me. Yeah, I, I have, uh, you know, the, all the jokes about Waiters Island. You know, Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons always joke about Waiters Island. Um, I have sold Waiters Island hardcore since basically the the day he was drafted i didn't know why he was drafted fourth overall by cleveland uh i don't know just the personality the brashness i mean it's amusing but you know i mean we talked about a little bit about derrick rose and sort of his his outsized view of his own abilities um being problematic <laughs> and Dion waiters i think kind of has a similar problem i mean and, and at least derrick rose was once a phenomenal player correct, <laughs> I mean, correct. Deion waiters has never been as good as Dion Waiters thinks he currently is Um, and it's kind of amazing you look at his numbers and you know I think everybody remembers you know they had obviously the great run of success uh, in Miami and then he got hurt late in the season they kind of you know scuffled along a bit to end the season but um, you know you kind of say well geez he had had some big shots he had some game winners you know clutch Dion Waiters he had the great celebrations (laughs) Um, (laughs) good times all around but you kind of it's weird you look at the numbers and you know first off he played 46 games last year due to all the injuries um he comes around he hits 39.5 percent of his threes career best year from three and you think oh okay so he's finally you know probably become like a more efficient player uh let's look at the rest of his numbers he gets fewer than three free throw attempts a game so he doesn't draw fouls not great he, sh- he shoots 65 percent from the line not great not great and what's really a killer is that he shoots under 44 percent on two pointers and and it's amazing. I thought like, well, that's probably because like Deion Waiters just like is just like chucking long twos. And, yeah. You know, twenty twenty percent of his shots are are long twos. So you know, some of that is is certainly true. But but he was you know, I mean, again, no matter how good you are at long twos, it's not going to really carry you to efficiency. But he was forty three percent on long twos, so he was good at that as well. But what's amazing is, at the rim last year, Deion Waiters shot fifty point seven percent, which is just Gee. a abysmal for any NBA player who fancies himself a a bucket getter. Right. Um, so that was, that was, that was pretty amazing. And, you know, you kind of think of, I mean, last year you you think of him as being kind of like a, a guy who's like strong. And I remember people comparing him to like, you know, the, the most optimistic takes on him when he was coming out was, was like a a Dwayne Wade potential type guy. Um, that's, that's probably why he was the fourth overall pick in that year's draft (laughs) last year. He had three dunks total all year Yuck. three dunks total. Wayne Ellington had more dunks than him last season so 
Um, so yeah, Wash just, Dwayne Wade, I'm sure had more, <laughs> he probably had more than three dunks in did. a game in a game. Yeah. So anyway, I, from the lens of, you know, the bucks looking at other Eastern conference, potential competitors down the road, you never want to count out Pat Riley. You never want to count out Eric Spelstra, but to look at the heat going into the off season thinking, well, we're going to make a run at Gordon Hayward. We're going to make a run at Blake Griffin. You know, Miami's always a threat, et cetera, et cetera. They don't get any of those guys, and they give Deion Waiters $52 million. And if Deion Waiters is, you know, the, well, along with, you know, Goran Dragic, but if, if, if he's the sort of linchpin of your, your, you know, your scoring attack, um, especially with guys like Tyler Johnson, who I like a lot, um, with a guy like Josh Richardson, who had a nice rookie year, was, was hurt a fair bit last year, but who, you know, is another nice young player. Um, and just some of these younger guys, you know, Justice Winslow isn't really a, necessarily a two, but, you know, kind of in that like wing wing kind of rotation, potential small ball four. Um, I don't know. It just seems like you've got a lot of other guys besides Dragic and, and waiters that you might actually want to like get a read on and, and see how good they are. Um, but instead, you know, you're basically locking up Deion Waiters to, you know, a, a decent sized chunk of your cap. And again, we can say, like, wow, you know, $13 million isn't as much as it used to be, but. Hey, let me let me just say this. If some other team out there that has, you know, aims of being a a potential top four, top five seed in the East at some point in the next couple of years, if one of those teams spends thirteen million dollars a year on Deion Waiters, um, that that makes Frank a happy person because um, <laughs> I, I I I I do not fear Deion Waiters, and you know he'll probably hit like two game winners against the Bucks next year when I say that. But um, I think the the long view on Deion Waiters' career and even what he did last year, I think does not paint the picture of a guy who is is going to carry you very far. So, um, so yeah, 13 million for John Waiters, hard, hard, hard pass. So I, I guess with both of those, I probably feel, again, I, I think I called the Tony Snell deal fine uh, when it happened on July 1st when we recorded at 1230 that night, and I think I would call it fine still today. Um, I don't, I don't know if either of those two deals make me feel significantly better about it. Um, but still it's fine. Um, and I, I think it'll probably continue to be so, um, other things, uh, in the bucks world, um, I believe today was the first day of summer league. I don't even know what you call it. Like summer league camp, summer league, um, training, whatever summer league practices, whatever it may be. Um, and we got to see a couple glorious pictures of DJ Wilson in short shorts. Um, the Bucks tweeted one out. I just retweeted that one out uh, earlier tonight. Um, if, if you didn't hear that on draft night, he is very much a fan of the short shorts. And those, those thighs were out. They, they were out uh, <laughs> down in Vegas. Here's a question. Do they even – like regulation NBA shorts, can you even like get them in like true short shorts? Because I feel like I feel like I mean I think Jalen Brown may have worn shorter shorts, but I feel like just the natural cut of NBA shorts now are just sort of baggy. So even if you get like the smallest ones, they're not going to look like you know '80s uh, Kurt Rambis you know style uh, short shorts, which which is disappointing. But um, I don't know. If I don't you know. Could, I'm, I don't know if you can get a short shortcut, but Jabari's were probably among the shortest in the league this last year that's true yeah he weren't pretty sure but they still weren't like 
No, you know, no. thigh huggers. And no. Jabari has pretty big. <laughs> Jabari has pretty big thighs. He does. He could, if if anybody was going to really fill out, you know, in the quads, a uh, a pair of shorts, you think Jabari would? And even he kind of didn't really pull it off. So I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm really curious about it though because I had have gone to a couple AAU tournaments with some of my coach friends in the last in a couple of years, and like high school dudes like wear short shorts now. Like not like. Stockton 80 shorts, but between Stockton 80 shorts and like the knees, like in that middle range, like that's where a ton of like high school kids like wear shorts now. And those are the guys that are populating the NBA at this point, um, or at least the newcomers in the NBA. So I'm very curious to see if it actually ends up going shorter and shorter um, in the coming years. Because I mean, I'm trying to think of. <laughs> If Jet is still in the league, like Jet was here when it was, I mean, some of those Jet high sock, super sh- like low shorts in Atlanta, like so. If looking back on some of those pictures, like man, you couldn't see his le- any part of his legs. No, basically. none of it, none of it. Yeah, um, I think I, I, I think we may. I, I'm kind of curious because obviously in Vegas they don't wear you know real jerseys. Um, so I, I am curious and we do have, I guess we do have this year, the new Nike, um, uniforms coming out. So I don't know if that will mm, have any impact yeah. on the availability of short shorts, but, um, but we may, I, I figured we may have to wait until the, the rookie photo shoot that happened. I forget what time of year that happens, but that might be the first chance we get to see if DJ Wilson is able to get true short shorts. Um, so I, I think we need to kind of work our uh, our back our back channel Bucks connections here <laughs> to figure out how short of shorts DJ Wilson is going to be able to get because it should be should be interesting to see. Um, this is the type of investigative reporting that Locked On Bucks is all about. Yeah, we this is this is truly a uh, between between my Willie Nelson uh, concert <laughs> festival stories and DJ Wilson short short discussion. This is really truly. Uh, an episode only for the hardcores, but, um, but yeah, and and I guess we should all me- also mention uh, prominently not involved in the first day uh, of camp was Sterling Brown, purported future Buck. Is and, it is uh, this Sterling Brown Eve? Can we call it that? Well, I don't know. By the time people listen to this, I hope that uh, tomorrow uh, at noon on July sixth is when the NBA's moratorium ends. Uh, so. That is uh, the period in which most types of signings, you can do certain signings, like you can sign uh, rookies and you know, certain things can happen, but you can't do trades in that in that time. Um, you can only negotiate stuff. So you've been hearing about all these deals, but they haven't been officially signed yet, uh, other than for the most part, like rookie, you know, rookie deals. Uh, but hopefully tomorrow afternoon, we will hear Sterling Brown's uh, acquisition by the Bucks from Philadelphia be made official, because obviously it's actually starting to actually affect the uh, the Bucks <laughs> summer planning and everything because obviously you'd want Sterling Brown to be in Milwaukee. Maybe he is in Milwaukee right now, and uh, you know he's in he's holed up in uh, in the Fister or something like that and just waiting. To, maybe he was just even who knows he might have been at the training facility today just kind of walking around and and not officially doing anything. But I mean, also um, I, I heard I heard Vegas is nice this time of year. So maybe if he just happened to you know go down for That's a little true. vacation in Vegas and oh whoa the Bucks organization is here. What? How did this happen? Well, uh, he's from he's from the Chicago area. So um, I know the the there was a video of him working out pre-draft and he was working out in the Chicago area. So. He hasn't been far away all summer, so it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be too hard, you know. Just jump on the uh, the old Amtrak, get a ride up to uh, <laughs> get a ride up to to Milwaukee, 
and uh, and and check things out. So hopefully we'll hear about that tomorrow. Um, and and if we don't hear anything tomorrow, then I think we can. You know, everybody who's been paranoid about about like, oh my god, what if this doesn't actually happen? Um, then if that ha- if that doesn't happen at that point, then we can certainly uh, I think start to raise more serious questions about what's going on. But um, I, I would expect it to happen tomorrow. And um, I don't. Do we have anything else, or do we want to talk a little bit about the Woj um, appearance on uh, ESPN Radio today? Your ESPN Radio, Eric. Well, maybe not your specific ESPN Radio, but um, I'm, a, I'm on like the a ESPN fifth radio. cousin. No, I, I'm probably closer than a fifth cousin. I'm probably like a second cousin. You're you're part of you. You have like a some some part in, in the ESPN Death Star at this yeah, point, right? No, so. I would. Yeah, sure. I, I think oh. I, I'm I'm in there. I might be like I don't know one of the people in the background of the Death Star, like turning a wrench or something um, yeah you've got like a big helmet on you're kind of like running aimlessly around yeah, and yeah you'll, you'll probably get like killed very quickly oh by somebody. oh yeah for sure <laughs> for sure hansel is taking me out just like that it's gonna it's gonna be quick um all right so adrian wolchanowski was obviously now uh at espn and ryan Rossillo had him on the show today and they wanted to talk about gordon hayward um, which makes total logical sense. Um, and I, I think it's probably about a 15-minute segment or so. And during it, he was talking about how um, Hayward ended up leaving and how that's, it really stinks for Utah and all that. Um, and then he took a, a slight detour um, and decided to go over and talk about Giannis. And I guess I'll read the quote because I'm not – quite 100 percent sure we can throw this clip in um so here we go milwaukee's gonna go to milwaukee's going to go through this with the greek freak that day's coming right where he's gonna look and say where is this organization what are they doing here like you don't think Giannis has been watching what went on there for the last several months of what they allowed to go on with the front office he's watching it and the clock has started everybody in the league is trying to figure out how they are going to get him out of there that has started so Milwaukee, I don't want to hear in three years or four years when they lose him, geez, we can't, like, U- Utah did everything right. Everything right from an organization. They lost their guy. You look at a team like Milwaukee, financially, they'll be able to do more, but you better have your organization in great shape because if not, then you have no chance with a guy like that. And that was the extent of it. Obviously a, a pretty short clip, not not all that involved, um, but it, it was obviously something that, as I had it sent to me uh, from one of my teammates in Madison, I kind of thought, oh, okay, that's that's pretty serious. So I transcribed it, and obviously a bunch of people saw it and tweeted about it and quote tweeted it, and um, it became very much, a, I guess, a, a Woj bomb of sorts in Milwaukee. But as I read it, like I... I didn't think I learned anything new there. Um, I, I didn't think it was necessarily all that interesting um, because I'm sure everyone in the league is always trying to figure out how to get good players from different organizations. So um, I, I didn't think it was anything all that interesting, but again, just kind of hearing that and seeing it in print just kind of makes all of the, the missteps of this summer feel more real maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously coming at a not great time in the sort of collective for the collective psyche of of Bucks Nation. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of a lot of angst right now and a lot of, you know, panic. And, you know, e- even the Derrick Rose thing, which 
nothing's actually happened around it obviously has thrown uh, a lot of people into a bit of a tizzy i mean you know i, I probably had one of my hot takiest uh pods of of that we've ever done yeah uh around that um and again like i i don't i don't expect derrick rose to be a buck but clearly i mean you know even if he doesn't like you know the mere fact that like who have the bucks been linked with well you know ben mclemore jamal crawford randomly and derrick rose and that isn't exactly the list that is going to get bucks fans excited about the new <laughs> the new regime in milwaukee and no. feel like oh they're making they're you know trying to make stuff happen and get players you know that, that are interesting whatever it feels like i mean honestly it feels maybe not mclemore but certainly rose and jamal crawford it feels like jason kidd just picked dudes who were good when he was playing you know i mean to be honest right like that's that's kind of what what it feels like um so if we're trying to sort of build up the idea of you know john horst is you know his own man and he's you know has uh knows the ins and outs of the salary cap and he's going to be creative and all this not not so far a, a really interesting start to uh, to to free agency for for the Bucks and you know as we said I mean they're very limited in what they can do uh, anyway which based on those names might not be a bad thing but um, but sure I mean with Giannis uh, you know it's only natural that people's paranoia is is going to expand to the player who matters the most and I I don't know I mean I'm I'm really not panicking about any of this because. You know, Giannis is in the first year of a four-year deal here, starting this year. Um, it runs through 2021. Uh, if he makes, you know, an All-NBA team or uh, that that the year going into the summer of 2020 or in two of the previous three years, uh, which you certainly would expect to happen, uh, the Bucks will have a significant advantage in that they can offer him a, you know, contract that will give him 35% of the cap rather than 30% when he hits free agency. So, um, you know, in addition to the extra, you know, fifth year and, and, and 8% raises. So the financial numbers that, that Giannis will be able to be offered by the Bucks versus other teams are, you know, and I forget it. We, we talked about it a little while ago. I forget what the exact number is, but I mean, I think it is something like, I don't know, like 30, 40 million bucks, something like that. Um, even if you adjust for, I think the, um, you know, the difference in the years offered. So huge, huge numbers. Um, and again, we know Giannis isn't all about just making as much money as possible because he didn't demand a max last year when he easily could have. And perhaps the Bucks should have just given him a five year max uh, to lock him up as long as possible. But um, but again, it, it's it, it's a long ways off. I mean, I think we're we're two years from the Bucks, you know, at worst having to make some kind of like calculations around like, you know, if you think that you've done such a poor job that you need to start thinking about, you know, trade options for Giannis or something like that. It's a long ways off, but I also think it is reasonable to say, hey, you know, you have big decisions to make in the next year around Jabari Parker. Chris Middleton has effectively two years left before he becomes a free agent due to his last year being a player option that you would expect him to to decline. Um, so there are very big decisions the Bucks have to make, and those decisions, decisions around the coaching staff, um, all those things are going to affect certainly how Giannis perceives what the Bucks are doing, what chances the Bucks will give him to to compete for a title. And, you know, I think ultimately it comes down to winning. You know, y- you can make some mistakes, and if you're winning 50-some games and you know, you feel like you at least have a shot at at being a contender in the East. I think you're still going to have a really good chance to to keep Giannis long term. He's obviously been a very loyal guy so far. But you know, we've seen in other cities 
stuff changes and a guy spends his entire NBA life and for Giannis his entire adult life basically in one city um, it would only be natural at some point if, if things aren't going well to to wonder is is there something better out there and so I think yeah it, the Bucks, it, it's on the Bucks to, to build around Giannis in a, in a competent way and you know right now they've got some good things going for them they've got some things not going for them right now and you know, I think a lot of what happens in the next couple of years is going to affect certainly how well, you know, what their ceiling is as a team. And the Jabari decision probably is the biggest one, but I think the Middleton one quietly uh, is is pretty close behind it. And um, you know, what happens with guys like Thon and, and Malcolm Brogdon, how much they can improve, all those things are going to matter a lot to to whether or not the Bucks can can actually contend for anything. And if they don't, then then yeah, I think all bets are off with with Giannis and and any other star player. I think the big thing to me is just in kind of the middle of what Woj said, the clock has started. And we saw the same thing in the Windhorst and Lowe story from last week. The clock is ticking. I think that's very accurate. Like it, that it is now official. Like there, there is a set timeline in place for when that is all going to happen. Like, like that clock now exists. In the past, it was some far off land that okay yeah maybe someday Giannis would have the chance to leave Uh, okay you can kick that can down the road but it now exists four years from now like that is that is the time so you have four years and I think I think generally I, I just kind of took that kind of quick detour as okay Milwaukee get it together like you you've had a rough summer We've heard about all the missteps in the GM search. We've t- we've talked at end about how the front office might not be on the same page. Like, uh, you just have to get on the same page and figure that out. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they come out and and tell us Jason Kidd is just coaching and John Horse is in charge of this and his assistant GM is in charge of this. Like, we don't we don't need that to occur, but. I do think that that the team as a whole has to figure out, okay, where are we going? What's our direction? Uh, Ownership has to get on the same page. Like those things have to happen. And then in the next four years, you have to win games. Plain and simple. There just really isn't any way about it. This isn't building for some other day. This isn't hoping that, okay, well, we got some nice young pieces to go along with Giannis. And once you re-up here, um, then then we're really going to do some winning. You can't say that to Giannis. You, you have to have some results on the board before that. And you have to have those, I, I think, in the next couple of years. So uh, it, it's a, I, I, I do think it is a tough spot in, in ways because I don't think the promise of winning is enough. Like, I, I don't think just setting up setting up for 2021 and beyond like i don't think that's enough it's it'd be great to have a clean cap sheet and do all that at that point but i do think in the next four years you have to you have to have some results you have to have some wins and luckily the eastern conference might make that easy on you (laughs) um with all the talent leaving it, it might be a situation where you don't necessarily have to have the best team and you can still be building for the future um while doing some winning in the present uh but it, it's it's a spot where you really do have to prove some stuff to Giannis and prove to him that hey we're gonna we're gonna figure this out and we're gonna build for the future but we're gonna have the pieces in place to do some to do some winning now yeah and it's very difficult to be a great team and have a clean cap sheet. Yeah. Um, and, and we've had some outlier circumstances over the last year or so 
because just of some outlier circumstances around the salary cap. You know, the yeah. the Golden State Warriors um, being able to get Durant. Uh, you know, obviously there were a lot of things that went into that. Not perhaps mostly the twenty four million dollar increase in the salary cap overnight. You know, yeah. that was a thirty three percent rise. You're you're never going to see a change like that again over the next you know five years or so. Um, you may see continuing increases in the salary cap, but you would never expect to see that kind of one year massive uh, blip. Especially because I think even if there was some kind of like weird unforeseeable increase in in revenues um i think based on this past experience i think the players would uh accept or at least consider cap smoothing um because again the, what the league proposed when when the cap was going up was not that players wouldn't get the money but basically just it wouldn't be through the cap going up the way it was and and again so players are guaranteed about half of league revenues no matter what um, if you know too much salary is doled out, then then basically some is withheld. If not enough salaries are spent, then then basically everybody gets just a proportional bump. Um, so there would have been ways of doing that where everybody just gets a bump basically, um, and it doesn't just basically end up being windfall for everybody who happened to be a free agent uh, in the summer of of 2016. But that's obviously how now it looks like. So um, we don't expect to see the cap doing what it has been. You know, the Boston Celtics, if they do things correctly, they should definitely not have cap space in, in in 2021 with all these young guys who will be rolling off deals and you know Isaiah Thomas maybe in uh, the last year of a of a massive contract <laughs> at that point um you know the the Golden State Warriors uh, certainly at this point given given their core you would not expect them to have cap space um you know again teams that will have cap space will probably not be very good teams um so what we've seen is is a bit different here these last year or so and again it's not that you know, team guys guys can't engineer ways to get to uh, to to more attractive destinations. I mean, Chris Paul. Uh, you know, the, the Rockets could have generated a lot of cap space this summer, but um, obviously they used some in, in, some unique uh, and creative accounting and probably a lot of tampering to get Chris Paul technically <laughs> traded before July one. Um, so so yeah, I, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons to think. You know, again, the the financial incentive for Giannis to stay in Milwaukee will be massive. Um, I, I don't know if there are going to be other options available to him that will be very tempting, like Gordon Hayward had this summer, like Kevin Durant had last summer. And, you know, bear in mind, too, I mean, Woj saying, like, oh, you don't have a chance. I mean, bullshit. Like, <laughs> lots of great players have been willing to stay in, in the same city. You know, DeMarcus Cousins was not pushing for a trade in spite of all the crap that happened yep. in Sacramento. DeMarcus Cousins was very happy. We we're very happily talking about staying in Sacramento and taking the the big you know super max extension this summer but then you know the kings basically said we don't want to give them that um you know so it we shouldn't act like it's now the norm for for guys to leave uh and especially it won't be the norm if great teams don't have the ability to to add those players so i'm not really i'm not panicked about Giannis leaving for by any stretch i mean nope. am, am i nervous about the bucks and the window of opportunity they have yeah i am a bit nervous you know i think they really have to make some good decisions and they have to have some some things really break right for them over the next year or two. Um, but, you know, in terms of like panicking about this stuff, I don't know. I guess it's something to do in July when, you know, we're, we don't have any kind of like obvious good news to be happening. And there's but... like no cap room. So it's like, OK, I got to think about something else here. Right. Right. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 a challenge. And, and obviously the the challenge for the Bucks in terms of building that that consistent winner is. How do you do it when you've kind of, you know, you've painted yourself into a corner a bit with with your your cap sheet? You don't have a clean cap sheet. Um, you know, again, I think to some extent they can wait things out a bit. Um, 
you know, you can make the case that, well, especially if you look at the Bucks and say, you're not probably going to get really impact guys in free agency, you know, keep your cap sheet, at least don't make it worse. Keep your picks. Definitely don't trade your picks away because you're going to need those guys to, mm-hmm. to keep your, your salary cap structured in the same way, you know, three, four years from now. Um, hope you hit on, on some of these young guys. And, you know, in a year, Mirza Toledovic will be an expiring contract. Um, Greg Monroe will be off your cap sheet, probably not in your team in a year. Um, you know, uh, John Henson, if Greg Monroe leaves, who knows? Maybe John Henson suddenly becomes useful because a year from now, Spencer Hawes and Greg Monroe are gone. So you will need a, another center on your team uh, beyond Thon Maker. So, um, again, I mean, I think that's the big thing, right? Don't don't panic don't do anything really short-sighted. I mean, you don't want to do the, the LeBron James calves of the first go-around uh, in Cleveland where they just sort of always sort of tried to, you know, locally maximize, get some random big name yep. for the next six months and and never really had that that bigger picture flexibility. Um, I mean, some of the teams that LeBron had were were pretty terrible. But um, I, but we'll see. It's, it's yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand the clock is ticking. Um, but I'm also, you know, I'm also not, not panicking. I don't think anybody else should either. I think I'm about to hit everyone with a 24 hour teaser here. Um, because I have, I think I have a few ideas, Frank, and we've gone on pretty long. Um, and I think we can talk about some of those ideas, uh, going forward, but I'm not, not tonight. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about some of those ideas for flexibility, et cetera. Um, but we can talk about those tomorrow or maybe Friday. No, tomorrow. Um, yeah, because this will come out on Thursday. Yeah, we can talk about it tomorrow. Um, and we'll get back together and we'll do that. And then also we can preview Summer League, Frank, because that's going to be wild and awesome and wonderful. Um, so we will do that as well. Uh, but that's going to be it for us for tonight on Locked on Bucks. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. Again, this podcast was brought to you by SeatGeek and our wonderful new promo code. That's L-O-N-B-A. Again, L-O-N-B-A for Locked on NBA. That's going to be it for tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for stopping by.